You might have listened to my previous episodes on preventing weight regain and think it's all doom and gloom post-op. I promise you it isn't. There are significant physical, emotional, mental challenges that everyone goes through postoperatively. And in this episode, I am going to share with you eight key lessons I have for you from my patient's experience and my own clinical practice over the last eight years. Now, this episode is a great reminder if you've recently had your surgery, are looking into weight loss surgery, or would like to rewind the clock and refresh your memory. Let's get started. Welcome to Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. I'm your host, Saraya Nikwan, a weight loss surgery dietitian, and I am excited that you're here today. This podcast is for anyone struggling with nutrition and weight years after bariatric surgery. You might be feeling confused, overwhelmed, and not quite sure what your body needs after that first year post-op. This is where I can help you. Join me every week where you'll leave supported and motivated to take the next step in your nutrition journey. Thank you for being here with me today. Now let's get started. The first point I would like to make is to set realistic goals. I personally find weight loss goals a little bit of a controversial topic, and this really depends on who I'm speaking with and your experience with weight and dieting in the past. However, my advice here is that the weight wasn't gained overnight, so we cannot expect it to magically go away. I would also encourage you to not compare yourself with anyone who has had the surgery whether you know them or if they're online. You are unique and your body's response metabolically to the surgery will be different. It will be your body's trajectory. Trusting the process and allowing the plan that will get your body to where it is comfortable weight-wise and health-wise, we just need to surrender and go with the plan. Another key point is if you are thinking of having weight loss surgery, please do not leave anything to the last minute. It's nothing worse when I hear or see someone who is having surgery on Monday and I raise my eyebrows and they haven't got their super sorted, they haven't paid their bills, they haven't seen me, got the extra support or started the pre-op diet. It's a mess. It just sets you up for a frazzled state post-op. So I would encourage you to seek out your referral to your surgeon, sort out any early release of super or organize your health insurance early. Seek out an appointment with a bariatric dietitian such as myself or psychologist as well early on in the journey. It might feel months and months away actually having the surgery, but having started the process, seeing the changes that you may personally need to make and giving yourself the gift of time to do so will make a world of difference in your preparation. Again, being frazzled is not a good state of mind to be in if you're preparing for surgery. Give yourself that gift of time. Psychologists and dietitians often have waiting lists. So get your name on a waiting list and then start the process. If you were seeing someone like myself, but your surgery was six months away, I wouldn't discuss the pre-op diet or the post-op diet straight away. It's not relevant at that time and you will forget. So I would encourage you to come in early so we could work on some of the following if this is applicable to you. So if you tell me that you are having Pepsi Max or Diet Coke every day, for example, and it's really common, what's really challenging about those drinks is that they are addictive. There's a chemical component in them that activates neural pathways in the brain of enjoyment, and it makes you want to have them further. So coming off them can be a big challenge. So if you have a personality that thrives off an all or nothing principle, then do that. 
However, there are those nasty headaches and side effects that a lot of people would prefer to avoid. So coming off these drinks slowly may negate any of those side effects. For example, you might like to decrease it by a half a can or a can a day or a cup a day, 250 mils, depending on what you can tolerate. But once you're at zero, do not buy any more. It's too easy to start the habit and the addiction again. In preparation for your surgery, you might also want to consider reducing your alcohol intake to zero. Now, the reason for decreasing your alcohol intake is because alcohol affects the liver. And the primary goal of the preoperative diet is to shrink the liver sufficiently so that it comes away from the stomach, which is sitting on your left hand side, but the liver's on the right. Oftentimes, it actually flaps over with fat, avoiding the view of the stomach. So if we can reduce something that causes some fatty liver in the long term, it may make your transition to the preoperative diet a little bit easier and also reduce more fat loss around the liver to make the surgery easier. So reducing and avoiding alcohol will aid in that process. As a sidebar, if you do struggle with decreasing your alcohol and you are craving it, please see your GP for further support. Now, these next tips will help you become more emotionally and mentally prepared. So the surgery itself is life-changing. However, the way that you eat also changes lifelong. So consider to start implementing the bariatric eating behaviors now to make less changes as time goes on. So number one, start by being mindful before each meal meaning try not to eat on the run or eat between appointments or just shove something in while you're doing something for the kids. Start by taking a deep breath before each meal and sitting at a table rather than the couch or a lounge chair to eat. Number two, chop up your food to the size of a 20 cent piece. Now this is a bit larger than the $2 coin that I usually recommend, but again, we're all about this gradual change. Number three, start chewing your food at least 10 times gold stars if you get 20. Digestion really begins in the mouth and post-stop your body doesn't have the same ability to churn the food. So we need to use our teeth post-stop to break down the food before it gets into the stomach. Number four is wait those 20 seconds or at least 10 seconds if you're pre-op between mouthfuls. This not only helps you gauge whether you are full but it also prevents that overeating especially after the surgery. Number five, make sure that your meals last at least 15 minutes, but do not exceed half an hour. Now, the reason for that is post-op, I don't want you to eat too quickly because that causes a lot of gastrointestinal symptoms, but I also don't want you to eat too slowly and start grazing as we know that causes weight regain. And number six is to start being mindful of these new habits that you will need to implement lifelong. By starting early, it means that it is now an aspect or part of your life and not another thing you have to change day of surgery. Surgery is overwhelming in itself. The whole environment is so overwhelming and it can be so different. So if you've already nailed these eating habits, it's easy. You've done it before. You've done it for months. It's not too hard to then implement once you get out of hospital. Now, in deciding to have bariatric surgery, You are making a commitment to your health. However, bariatric surgery plays a role not only in your physical health, but your mental well-being. Studies have shown that bariatric surgery's positive effects on mental health are much more likely to occur 
if the patient has a stable physical and psychology support system postoperatively. Now that can be made up of your loved ones or your healthcare professionals. I mentioned psychologists earlier in the podcast and I believe they are one of the underrated key members of the bariatric surgery health professionals. A lot of how, when, what and why we eat is emotionally tied. Finding a good bariatric psychologist and working with them through the several aspects of eating and psychology is important and can help you keep this to be a sustainable lifestyle change long term. Now, things you could talk about with a psychologist could include emotional eating, boredom eating, transfer addiction, where we go from eating to drinking alcohol or doing drugs or another unhealthy habit, a way to manage depression and anxiety by talking through those unhelpful thinking cues, navigating a mental health illness and a significant life change being the surgery, how to manage the feelings when you are physically full but you mentally want to eat more of what was provided, how to navigate uncomfortable or discomfort with eating, navigating trauma and issues in relationships or the changing relationships if you start to lose weight and that becomes a problem in your relationship and navigating the changes that may come up with weight loss surgery because for some people it can be smooth sailing but a lot of people hit some rocky times and a psychologist can help you work through that. Now, the other underrated member of the health professional team is an exercise physiologist. I'm a huge advocate for exercise physiologists. They are brilliant. So what I've done is I've put the details of CoreFit, which is run by Johan, and he does a brilliant three-hour workshop to help you get back into exercise safely, give you guidance on the exercises, on how to do it, and how to track and measure your progress. So if you'd like more information of Johan, I highly recommend everyone seeing an exercise physiologist at least once. I'll pop his details in the show notes if you were interested, because I find they are a great member of the team to help you get started in that movement sphere. So my next point is the habit of movement. I personally find the word exercise to be a negative word. If you think about it, exercise is also synonymous with punishment depending on how you've experienced diet and exercise in the past. So it sort of feels like something to begrudge or have to do. Another way to flip it to a more positive word and less challenging is the word movement. So whilst you're preparing yourself for surgery, consider adding in 5 to 10 minute walk per day. Now, that can be a lot of movement, especially if you've been sedentary for some time. So add in that five to 10 minutes in the morning. You'll get some extra vitamin D from the sun if it's sunny where you are. And see how you feel mentally, emotionally and physically by preparing for surgery with that extra 10 minutes of movement. What's also good is when people move their bodies more, you typically heal faster and better postoperatively. Another lesson from experience and from my patient's insight is meal planning. Now, meal planning is the key to success after weight loss surgery. So having a plan with how, when and what you were eating eliminates so many decisions. One prominent research study by Cornwell University, Brian Wansick, found that many of his participants thought they made only 15 food decisions per day. However, in fact, they made over 200 food decisions a day. Many of those food decisions were made unconsciously. So a lot of those 200 decisions are related to the initiation and the stopping of eating. So when we start to eat, when we stop to eat, 
And a lot of these food choices were actually small decisions made to a point where they were unknowingly influenced by those environmental cues. So going in a little bit deeper, he had mentioned that those factors were really things so small, like the plate size, the package size, what was available at the supermarket, the people you eat with, the distractions around eating. All of these will add up to those 200 plus decisions. So take this knowledge in your stride. Try to make your environment work for you rather than against you. Make it easy to eat better and set up your environment for success. This will then decrease the amount of decisions you have to make and allow sticking to the plan to be more consistent. So the lesson here is to find a way to make meal planning work for you and your family and keep to the plan. Overall, you'll eat well, you'll eat enough protein, you'll save money and you probably will feel less overwhelmed at the end of the day. Now, Don't forget, once you've had your surgery, I would highly encourage you to at least have annual check-ins with your surgery team, dietitian, and psychologist. It'll keep you on track, guide you if you're losing your focus, and make sure that you have that touch point so you don't get lost. A dietitian would also help keep an eye on your blood work, how your diet's tracking, and if you are slipping on the protein side of things or you're not eating enough vegetables or you're not getting enough fruit in or you're having too much processed meat. And we know that people who are accountable to their health professionals are less likely to experience weight regain and have better nutrition markers than those who don't follow up. So keep in contact with your surgery team after you've had the surgery. Finally, with all of this information, before I get into the summary, is to surrender to the process. You've done a large amount of work or preparation physically, nutritionally, emotionally, and mentally to get to this stage to undertake the surgery. All the GP visits, the surgeon visits, the dietitian appointments, psychology appointments, the pathology or blood tests, going through that preoperative diet and planning for post-op, and all the chats you would have had with partners, family, friends, online. It's a big process. So now it's time to trust in your decision and follow the plan. It's the best time now to make sure that you are a priority and it's important to ensure that you have all of the foods and supplements allocated into your budget so you can succeed long term. This is by no means a short term gig. It's definitely in it for the long term. So make room in your budget, make room in your life for the protein supplements so that you can succeed long term. So in summary, I have mentioned quite a few aspects that you can look at if you are thinking of weight loss surgery and you may not be sure how to make the most of it or where do I start. So here's a summary of the eight key points that I've discussed today. Number one, set realistic goals and don't compare your body's journey to others. Number two, get all the paperwork, appointments scheduled and attended and work through those with time. Give yourself the gift of time. Number three, Start practicing those eating behaviors for after the surgery as soon as possible so you're used to it and it isn't overwhelming to change everything at once. Number four is to consider working with a psychologist to help with the enormous mental and emotional challenges that come along with the surgery. It does take at least six sessions to benefit from these appointments, so try to persevere. Number five, consider adding in an exercise physiologist to your team and start by increasing your movement by five to 10 minutes per day and see how you feel. Number six, start planning your meals to reduce the over 200 food decisions that you make daily. Number seven, set up your environment for success. 
eliminate food distractions, have the right plates, sizes of cutlery, and have the supplements available and ready to go for post-op. The last thing you want to do is be ordering your protein powders or your multivitamins in the hospital room. You want to have that all organized for when you get home. Number eight, keep in touch with your surgery team well after the surgery, at least annually postoperatively, and this will help sustain the effort you've put in to the preparation and the surgery itself. Lots of good nuggets in there, and I'll elaborate in future podcast episodes more on these topics. As always, thank you for listening, and I'll chat with you next week. Thank you for joining me on Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. If you would like to learn more about what I do, head to at the Bariatric Collective on Instagram or Facebook, or visit us online at www.thebariatriccollective.com.au. And reach out if you need support reversing weight regain or anything related to bariatric surgery. I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd love for you to take a moment to review the show if you found it helpful or share it with a few friends. I look forward to chatting with you next time. 